Hey there, Story Fiends, and welcome to Season 6. You're here for the podcast that truly believes there are stories everywhere. This is There's Stories Everywhere with Aledria Hurt. I am your hostess, Aledria Hurt. With the start of Season 6, we are changing up the podcast format and bringing you more long-form fiction. Here's the skinny. Every week on the podcast, I'm going to be doing the audio version of a chapter I've already put up on my blog for the week. If you're interested in reading along while you listen, check out the blog post listed in the show notes. And without further ado, the first chapter of my book, Holy Land. Holy Land, Chapter One. Altrina hitched her scarf a little closer to her face and considered the path before her. Narrow, with blind spots. It was the perfect place for an ambush, and she could practically feel the mortals nearby lying in wait. Of course, that could have been her paranoia playing tricks, but bandits were known to frequent these parts. There were dozens of small villages to feed off of like the parasites they were. She fastened her scarf back to hide everything but her deep brown eyes. Thin black coils hung from her head in need of a good washing, but it had been a time since she had been in a village with a wash house she was willing to frequent. Too many of them were too open for her taste. She considered sending her horse ahead of her, galloping to spring the trap before she could walk into it, but she needed the animal. It, placid nature notwithstanding, had been the longest companion she had ever had. That included the bare handful of lovers she had taken over the course of her life. Sad, but true. She caressed the creature's nose and once again considered the path. They wouldn't be at the first bend, where they could easily be taken out by someone coming nearby. The bandits would be waiting more toward the center, where they wouldn't be seen immediately. If they were even slightly worth the trouble, it would be to deal with them. Eltrina thought her way through what was to happen next. Her executioner's axe hung heavy from the horse's saddle. Unhitching it wouldn't take but a moment. However, it would advertise how she expected trouble. Maybe that would be enough to get her through safely. Bandits, being generally cowards, preferred to deal with those who weren't armed to the teeth. Altrina wasn't quite that armed, but she had a fair amount of history with weapons. They were not how she made her living, but they made living as a nomad somewhat easier. Alba, she murmured to her horse, we're going to walk a while. Her tone, even and slow, matched the nature of her horse. Latrina wasn't the type to get excited about the prospect of death, but there was just a little bit of anticipation there. She might not have to kill anyone. Of course, That depended entirely on the bandits themselves. Would they run at the first sight of their own blood, or would that redouble their efforts? Such a question. Latrina strolled, Alba's bridle in hand, waiting for the first strike. It would, she suspected, be an arrow, an attempt to run off her horse, and thus separate her from her means of escape. Alba wouldn't run. War horses didn't usually run from arrows. Altrina swept her eyes over the path before them, certain of the way being booby-trapped. Bandits were cowards. 
They wanted every advantage they could get. Part of her hoped they would find her too small a target, one person traveling, to attack. Yet with the wind of change running through the area, with its wave of famine, she knew better. They would attack. Starving wolves would take anything to not starve. Ankle-high dying grass brushed her boots as she walked into what the bandits had probably aptly called a slaughter pen, with Alba walking beside her. Alba's bulk, even without armor, dwarfed her to the point of her being able to hide in his shadow. They were quiet in their movement, but still obvious enough they would trip the trap set for them without further effort. She needed them to get close enough to fight, which meant getting the archer to sound the attack as soon as possible, so the others would rush in to try and take her. Emphasis on try. Altrina had been alone a long while, and protecting herself had become simply her nature. She could do nothing less. If the bandits thought they would find themselves with an easy mark, they were mistaken. As she walked beside Alba, Ultrina prepared to snatch her axe from its holster. She would need it when the first wave came. After that, well, things would become quite hard for the bandits. The anticipated arrow came from a nearby sparse copse of trees as she came around the second bend in the road through the hills. Ultrina had almost given up worrying about the ambush when it sliced through the air to land squarely in front of Alba. A non-war horse would have spooked and taken off running. Alba did neither, but bent his head down and brushed the edge of the arrow's fletching with his nose. Then he stamped his foot as if daring the archer to try again. Alba's armor was packed away, but his bulk meant even if someone hit him with an arrow, they would have quite a time hitting anything vital. Ultrina snatched her axe out of its holster and shut her eyes a moment. Seven men, her senses said. Seven men whose lives were about to be forfeit for their audacity. The axe edge could split a hair and its weight cleave bone in two, her favorite weapon, but not her only one. The disorganized bandits did not provide a united front. They came at her, haphazardly, each of them making their own time. If they had a leader, she had to wonder if he was new to group fighting tactics, or perhaps they were simply too hungry to hold to a proper plan. Either way, it made things easier for Altrina. She moved away from Alba to give her room to swing, knowing the horse to be perfectly capable of protecting itself from attack. The first reached her with a longsword in his grip, and he swung it with a heavy overhead swing, which, when he missed, left his shoulders, neck, and head exposed to counterattack. Altrina made use of the lapse, swinging her axe at his neck. It made an almost light sound as it went through the bones, sinew, and muscle of the man's neck and sent his head flying to land with a drop melon plop on the ground nearby. Alba for his part, had two attempting to grab his reins and bring him down from where he had reared up and kicked with his front hooves. One caught a hoof in the face for his trouble, and the other, who had managed to grab the leather, found himself fighting to get his feet back on the ground. From above, and at a distance, the archer continued to rain down arrows, albeit fairly slowly. They whistled as they approached, 
but he didn't appear to be able to notch more than one at a time. His other three compatriots were slower about considering what to do. They had the advantage of numbers, certainly, but they seemed to be more the type to farm than to fight, leaving them with a dilemma. Fight this obviously well-equipped and violent opponent, or make a run for it and live to bandit another day. Altrina took the choice away from them when she surged forward and closed the little distance between them and her with a snarl. Two broke and ran. The third stood his ground and was mowed down immediately. Alba galloped toward the trees, practically daring the archer to shoot him. The two runners, realizing they had little chance of putting enough distance between them and Altrina and Alba to escape, turned around to face their possible doom, and their faces went white with shock. Behind Altrina, by only a bare few steps, was their comrade, lumbering along, his face destroyed by the blow from Altrina's axe. They shed the weight of their weapons as if that would make them fast enough to escape. Altrina took one down from behind, severing his head from his body with one swing. The other, seeing his end coming, yelled, Run, Drale, run! Altrina could only guess that was the name of the archer. He shimmied out of the tree he'd hidden in and disappeared into the darkness beneath the trees. Altrina did not give chase. Killing everyone might have been better, but it would take her out of her way to chase down one lone bandit in terrain he knew better than her. Taking the edge of her already dirty skirt, she wiped the edge of her axe to get the blood off of it. It would need to be oiled and filed. But she would do that when she made camp for the night. With a sigh, she surveyed the remnants of the battlefield. Two of her puppets awaited her commands, their souls bound to their bodies by her will. They would not eat their fellows, but they would need nourishing. Altrina swept a hand through the air, fingers making the ancient sigils of her people, and the two puppets dropped where they stood. They looked no different from the other dead bodies, but they were a bit away from where they should have died. Altrina doubted anyone would be all that interested in checking a random field at the edge of the road for where someone should have properly bled to death, but there was never any telling. Best to take precautions. She was in the process of walking to each of the bodies and setting them alight. One of the bandits groaned. The man Alba kicked in the face hadn't died, but only ended up unconscious. Altrina looked at him with a critical eye. Then she took the brand she'd been using to set the others alight and pressed it to his leg, watching the flames leap to life on his clothes. He screamed. She said nothing, as he tried to put the fire out with his hands and set his sleeves alight as well. The dry grass picked up the flames and spread it in patches. He screamed more. Altrina mounted Alba and waited as he screamed, his eyes pleading for help as the fire consumed him. It took some time. But soon the battlefield had been completely cleansed by fire. Someone, one of the royal guard perhaps, could come along and they would be able to tell what she had done. Good. Altrina turned Alba back toward the path, the greasy smell of burnt flesh and hair in her nostrils, and they trotted away. Altrina traveled through the night to get away from the pyres of the bandits. There would be those who asked questions of smoke appearing in the air in strange places, and she wanted nothing to do with those questions. Instead, 
She pressed on past one village in the night, aware of how good a bed would feel against her body, and to another. She reached it at daybreak, the peaking sun over the horizon, greeting her with the sight of a cluster of buildings, gathered around the much larger building of a church of the realm. Altrina took a deep breath as she looked at the way the light played off the great monument at the steeple. One night here, she thought. No more. Otherwise, there might well be trouble her axe couldn't get her out of. Alba whinnied at the smell of other horses. A stable for the night would cost her something, but she had enough. A stable for him, a bed for her, and depending on the conditions, perhaps a wash house. Altrina stopped at the ramshackle country stable, which looked as though it had last taken proper care of a horse sometime around the crusade. She dismounted and took her axe from the holster. It hung heavy in her hand as she moved to the stable master's door. After several knocks, a blurry-eyed man appeared. I would like a stall for my horse, she said without preamble. I have coin. Oh, said the man. He drew himself up to a respectable height and seemed as if he might actually take some pride in his establishment. Altrina was not impressed. How long? A day, no more, she said. And feed for him. Don't bother attempting to brush him down. He won't let you. If she had coin for every stable hand Alba had kicked over the course of their relationship, she might well have been able to dine with the King of Terror Rose. Of course, that left to the imagination why she would want to. He managed not to scowl as she put her hand inside her tunic and drew out her money bag. Made of soft leather, it jingled invitingly as she counted out coins. Where can I find a bed? Altrina asked. Not that she cared for his input, but one did find it easier to get around when the lay of the land was known. For yourself? he asked. Altrina scowled, stopping in the motion to remove a pack from Alba's saddle. He quickly corrected himself. There's a widow with what keeps a room or two around the edge of town. Clean beds, decent food won't cost you much more than the keep for the horse. The keep for Alba would not impoverish her, but she had to wonder what kind of house a widow kept when she was renting to strangers for such a rate. Altrina kept her thoughts on the matter to herself and surrendered Alba's reins to the stable master. The man looked over the stallion warily. That's a good attitude to have. He bites. The stable master didn't appear to be put off by that, but he also didn't let Alba's mouth out of his sight as he walked with him into the stable. Altrina tried not to chuckle, and mostly succeeded. A bath would do her well, but it would wait for rest. She would find this widow and her rooming house before she would look for the local bathhouse. Altrina turned away from the stable and walked, one pack on her shoulder and her axe in hand, to the main road. The main road was dirt, undoubtedly mud when it rained, with ruts made by a procession of large wagons coming through. Altrina didn't think much of it. She didn't have to. The widow's house was simple enough to find. It stood at the edge of Marset, one of the larger places besides the local lord who lived further down the road and up on a small rise. The widow, Anne, met her at the door, with a smile showing mostly healthy teeth. The woman greeted her with a bow and said, What can I offer? A bed for tonight and directions to the local bathhouse, Ultrina said. Whatever the older woman thought, she kept inside her aging gray head where it belonged, in Ultrina's opinion.
She preferred less prattle in her life. Perhaps why her only companion was a horse. In what order? Bed first. Bathhouse tomorrow. Tomorrow, before you get back on the dusty road? Yes, tomorrow, after I'm rested. Anne said nothing else, but opened the door wider and stepped away. Altrina took one look around, noting the exit door from the kitchen which might lead to a garden or somewhere else. It didn't matter. It led out of the house, and she could find her way from there if need be. Anne led the way from the front of the house to a small room with a bed and a quilted cover. You may find yourself chilly at night here, Anne said, or perhaps not. From where do you come? Altrina said nothing in return, but turned her axe handle up and placed it on the floor against the door. She put the pack within arm's reach of the bed and sat down. After taking off her boots, she stared at Anne. The widow took the hint and exited the room. Shutting the door, she went. There were others in the house. Altrina could feel them. None of them felt as though they would be trouble, but she intended to keep a few smaller weapons close by while she slept. It would not be the first time she had been waylaid in a supposed place of safety. For now, though, she sat on the bed and planned her next move. The bandits had not been much of a problem, in all truth. More an annoyance than an obstacle. However, she had one which had gotten away, and that meant somewhere along her supposed route, she was likely going to have to deal with stories. Stories had a way of gaining lives of their own in Terror Rose, perhaps why her own people were no more. Stories. Despite the daylight streaming through the single glassless window, Altrina laid down to sleep. If she slept the day through and part of the night, she would be lucky. She needed her strength. Raising puppets did still drain her energy at times. The following morning, for she had slept the day and the night away, Altrina rose and carefully put her feet on the floor. Nothing had been disturbed. A good sign. There was the smell of food in the air. Also a good sign. Whether or not that would lead to her eating anything other than what was in her own pack remained to be seen, but she could appreciate the smell of food just the same. Altrina shoved her feet in her boots and stood up, her awareness reaching out for those around her instinctively as a spider feels the vibrations in a web. There were others in the house. Several others. The guardian hairs on the back of her neck rose straight. She darted a glance at the window and considered using it as an exit so as not to be walking through she knew not what. Too long away from others, she murmured. You're turning into a frightened bird ready to fly at the first opportunity. Her momentary chiding was enough to bring her back to the smell of food. Her stomach rumbled, and she realized it had been some time since she had a hot meal she had not prepared. Perhaps she needed to stop worrying so much and go see what there was for breakfast. Widow Anne presided over a pot of porridge from the smell. The rumbling on Antrina's stomach grew louder, the closer she came to food. The two others in the kitchen sat waiting with expectation written on their faces. Altrina entered quietly and stood at the back of the room. "'You're welcome to join us,' Anne said. "'There's enough in the pot for you as well.' Though she still did not sit, Altrina allowed herself to smile at the hospitality. It might not last long, but for the moment she could savor the barest of human kindness. 
Two young men awaited their turns at a long table with rough-hewn benches. Long enough, Altrina could sit at it with them and not be quite up on them. Still, she stood and waited. Windman, Anne said. Our guest is the quiet type, but she wanted the bass house today. When she woke up, would you be so kind as to take her that way after breakfast? Of course, Mama Anne, the smaller of the two young men, said. He appeared to be little more than a child, but from the way his shoulders sat, he'd carried many a heavy burden. Altrina sized him up out of habit and let the idea of him attacking her fall away. If he did, he would find himself on the wrong side of eternity, double quick. Mama Anne dished up three wooden bowls, their sides smooth with handling, and set two on the table before bringing the third to Altrina. At least sit that you can eat, she said with a weary voice. Altrina could not help wondering how often she dealt with quiet travelers. Yes, Altrina said. Windman didn't disguise his interest in her as Altrina sat down. She forgave him his stare. She was a little exotic looking for this part of the country. There weren't many of those like her left, and they generally stayed far closer to their home settlements. I'm Hale said the second man. He appeared older than Windman, though not by much. However, he had a more worldly air to him, and if he was interested, he kept his eyes in his head, where they belonged. We're passing through, Windman offered, passing through on the way to the capital. Altrina did not invite the conversation, nor did she attempt to participate. Instead, she waited for Windman to take the hint she had no interest in him or his travels. Leave her alone, Hale said, nudging Windman in the side. She's eating. If she wants to talk, then she'll talk to us. Altrina kept her mouth shut, except when it was time to shovel more food in it. The porridge had been flavored with some kind of berry, making it much more palatable than the straight gruel she had been expecting. Altrina finished her bowl quickly and set it aside. Her body ached for a smoke but she chose to wait it out. She would have a smoke after the bathhouse, assuming the place wasn't open to the air the way some of them were in this part of the country. She needed a bathhouse which was an actual building, not just a hot spring cleverly co-opted by those nearby. Windman and Hale finished up their own breakfasts, wiped their mouths, and prepared to go. Then Windman stopped, undoubtedly remembering Mama Anne had asked him to take care of the quiet stranger. If you're ready for the bathhouse, he said, then we can go. Altrina gathered her pack and her axe from her room and followed Windman out of Mama Anne's house. Anne lived on the edge of town. Apparently the bathhouse was closer to the center. Altrina forced the itch in her palms to settle. She did not intend to speak with many of the villagers, but she might have to actually hold a conversation if she wasn't careful. When they reached the bathhouse, the dark gray door with a sign for water on it, Windman excused himself. Altrina felt his eyes on her as she opened the door and went inside, but thought little of it. Inside, the bathhouse was silent save the dripping of water. An attendant, a woman Altrina's age, appeared from behind one of the white curtains and looked Altrina over. A traveler, she said. I'm Bikira, the attendant to this house and I bid you welcome. Thank you, Bakira. Altrina did not have to tell the woman what she wanted. 
bathhouses served a singular function, to get one clean when one did not have a home. Being a nomad, Ultrina bathed in rivers and hot springs unattended, but a bathhouse was one of the luxuries she allowed herself every so often among the civilized areas. You come into this place armed, Bakira said. I go everywhere armed, Ultrina said. I know that is unnecessary here. None may molest one in a bathhouse. This I know, but I know better than to trust. Bakira did not argue the point. Instead, she moved to the small wooden desk at the corner of the room. Do you wish to bathe in private? Yes. Then it will be a few coins in donation to the house. Understood. Bakira showed her to the private bathing room where the water flowed warm from a spring underneath the building. Altrina thanked the creator for the people who had built the place as she peeled off leather armor, which she stacked carefully out of the water, and then took off the underclothes which she dunked under with her. The soap would be used for both herself and her clothes. Others might have found it strange to wash their body and their clothes in the same water, but Altrina knew dirt was simply a fact of her life. The water would flow away and grow clean again as the dirt settled to the bottom as silt. Dunking her head, Altrina massaged her scalp. It had been some time since the last bathhouse, and her hair sorely needed a good scrubbing. Filth came off her skin, leaving it a woodland brown. Her hair, wet and heavy, grew in length. Thankfully, it would shrink back as it dried. The bath did not take long, but it was blessed for all its length. Altrina knew better than to think such a thing would happen again any time soon. Besides, she wanted to get as far away from the land of Terror Rose as she could. When she came out of the bath, wearing her shift and carrying her armor, Bakira waited silent at the door. They locked eyes, and Bakira lowered hers imperceptibly. Altrina's guardian hairs rose. What trouble? Altrina asked. The other woman refused to say, but stood by as Altrina stepped on her armor once again. With nothing to go on, Altrina knew better than to go charging anywhere. Her best plan was to find her way back to her horse and depart, preferably before things got any worse than they had already. Yet not knowing what was happening, she could only truly guess at that being the best plan. Still dripping hair tied back, she crept out of the bathhouse and headed for the stables where Alba waited. No matter what was happening, she would face it better with her horse nearby. As she moved along at a pace which belied her sense of urgency, the whispers began. The whispers she always seemed to draw or stir wherever she went. Whispers of strangeness and darkness. I was careful, she murmured, stopping to survey the road before her and decide which way to go. Going directly to Alba seemed the smartest action before. However, now she had to wonder if someone might be lying in wait for her there. It wouldn't take much to consider she had come with a horse and would go back for it. Apparently, she hadn't been careful enough. There were still those who knew, like the man-child who had escaped the death of his comrades. Altrina, proper wariness warring with real uncertainty, kept moving. Stopping further to consider her plan of action might well get her killed. She rounded a building and narrowly missed the flank of a brown horse standing there. On its flank... The terror rose royal crest with its three-lobed leaf lay before her. Altrina swallowed an exclamation. 
No need to alert anyone to her presence. She walked backwards away and nearly succeeded in escaping when a mounted guardsman trotted into view looking her direction. A moment later, she knew they were looking for her. Another guardsman, trapper's net in full expansion, attempted to sneak up on her. The warning flashed across her mind a moment before the net would have closed around her. Altrina drove forward and out of its clutches. It did her little good, however. Before long, she was surrounded. The odds were not in her favor, but she also didn't want the trouble of killing royal guards on her head. Altrina had come this far without having a bounty added to the simple one of her life. She didn't intend to start adding to it now. Yet, they did not attack. Six men ringed her in. If she could bring down one or two, the odds would even. Then came the near giant wearing the uniform of the royal guard, but with a purple cap holding his cape to his left shoulder. Monjin. Altrina knew him by reputation only, but there was no missing the man said to be the right hand of the king. What he was doing so far from the capital, she could only guess. But her guesses did not include anything specifically to do with her. Puppeteer, he addressed her. We would have a word with you. Altrina resisted the urge to spit at the pejorative puppeteer. That was for those who couldn't fully raise the dead, which she could... But then again, admitting to that in her current situation meant going to the block swiftly. She had no desire to go to the block, executed, and then hung out for the crows. I don't know what you're talking about. Denial might not get her anywhere, but Ultrina refused to walk right into an admission worth her existence. Funny, drawled the giant. Funny indeed. He made no attempt to close the distance between them, but Altrina felt him prepare for something. An attack from her, maybe. She couldn't be certain. Come with us. It was not a request. The royal guard did not make requests. Altrina shouldered her axe, making a great show of coming along quietly. Perhaps she would be lucky enough to get out of this unscathed. Unlikely, but fortune had favored her before. The troop formed up around her and Monjin, three before and three behind. The formation walked to the church in the center of the small village. It was not as much a fortress as it would have been if they had been in a bigger place, but the formidably high, whitewashed wall made it clear one might enter and never leave. Monjin dismissed those around them with a wave of his hand once they were inside the gates and the great wooden doors had slammed shut on them. Come. He led the way into the main building. Ultrina narrowed her eyes. This was not what normally happened. With those of her kind, or ilk, depending on who spoke, there was always a jail cell and interrogation regarding the whereabouts of others. Ultrina considered attempting to brain Monjin, who had his back to her, for the death she knew of. It might well have gotten rid of one of those who sought her kind and consigned them to death, but it wouldn't stop them all. There would always be more who thought necromancy was an evil art worthy only of eradication. The interior of the church stood dark and quiet, only forever lit candles of the creator remained glowing. Monjin, gunaflected, 
in the direction of the altar before taking a side hall away from the main space. Ultrina followed, eyes roving and brain cataloging in case she got a chance to escape. Tapestries along the hallway could be set on fire with one of the sparse candles in order to provide both smoke for cover and a distraction. She fought the urge to knock one of them over and then hightail it in the other direction. Fortunately or unfortunately, she didn't. Instead, she followed Monjin into a room slightly larger than the room in which Aldrina had spent the night, an out-of-the-way room inside a terror rose church. This was where those like her came to die. Altrina studied Monjin as he moved around lighting candles. You don't know why you're here, he said. No, Altrina replied. Of course you don't. He put the last candle into its holder and turned to face her. There is something of a proposition for you, but I doubt you'll find it all that interesting unless I make it clear what's at stake. And what's at stake? Altrina still had her axe on her shoulder. She could fight him, fight him, and win or lose. Either might be preferable to the sense of pins and needles she had in her spine from uncertainty. Put simply, your life. Simple enough, Altrina thought. What's the catch? she asked. Monjin stood there, his head nearly brushing the low ceiling, and contemplated her for a moment. You're not much of a negotiator. There's nothing to negotiate. You want me to do something, and my life is forfeit if I don't. Not much grounds for negotiation. Altrina kept her voice low, as she often did in the middle of buildings. She could only hope that whatever they were about to discuss wasn't going to end up in common rumor. Good, he muttered. At least I don't have to threaten you for your cooperation. What is it you want? That will require a trip back to Renate, the, he said. The king wants to see you. Altrina doubted that seriously, but she knew better than to allow herself to get too excited. There would be opportunities to make a run for it along the trail, or she could see this through and find out what it was that the king of Terror Rose wanted. Why? She had no reason to trust him, but he might actually give her something. Monjin considered her. Altrina saw it in the movement of his eyes, the wheels turning in his mind, placing her in one cast, then another. Altrina waited, keeping her impatience, which paced like a caged tiger, to herself. These words were never spoken, Monjin said. Altrina nodded. The princess is dead. And there you have it, Story Fiends. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You want to know what happened already, you say? I'm posting the chapters a week ahead on my Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash Hurt. So you can get the chapters a week prior to their posting on my blog or on my podcast. As always, Story Fiend, you can drop me a line here at the podcast through the message feature or through my email, aledria at aledriahurt.com to let me know what you think. As we like to say at the end of stream, it is always kiss the ones you love, rock the life you want, and have a good day.